2: The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by The Fitness Market on 939 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at TheFitnessMarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Villa Marketist, Luke Hancock here. The phone lines, they are open, 8150 9 is the number if you want to jump in here, 38 9 for the UPS Jobs text line if you want to hit us up uh, that way as well. Luke, it's going to be impossible not to talk a lot about uh, potential candidates uh, to be Louisville's coach uh, at some point in the future and it seems like almost every time we've identified somebody as like that makes some good sense here uh, there's e- either something's gone south or they've shot it down or, or what have you uh, but in the last couple of days you had jeff goodman writing about uh jay wright and we know about josh hurt and his, his uh, connection there and and there are I've, I always thought it was, like, non-zero. Like, there was always a chance that, that could happen, just as his relationship with Josh. But I always thought that just seemed like such a long shot that he would want to coach at all. Uh, and it turns out I'm right. That he. It's not that he wouldn't come here. He's not going anywhere. Why the hell would I want to work that hard anymore if I don't have to?
1: And I, I respect that. Uh, Absolutely. You and I the... have it. We have the right perspective. You know, if you get to a level – I go back to Kevin Durant all the time. Yeah. Like, you get to a certain level, you don't need, uh, you know, your fake account to go back at Joe Schmo who's sitting on the couch. Like, you get to a certain level, you just don't care. I'm not going to have Twitter if I'm Kevin Durant. Right. Absolutely not. And then with Jay Wright, he left after a Final Four where his best player was injured. He could have come back and had a great team and also, like – done well in the portal and recruited at a high level like he would have kept that machine rolling and he's been one of the best coaches of all time like when you leave you know I got to ask Jim Beheim this because I I did his opening day uh, rookie Jim Beheim with me on the ACC network and just picking his brain about do you miss it do you wish you'd stayed on a little bit do you and he said no I don't miss coaching in the least I like going to practice I like being around the guys I I miss the competitiveness of it but he's like when I go to practice after about 30 minutes I get tired of watching it and I want to go home and you know what the best part is I get up and leave (laughs) (laughs) like these guys do hit a point and especially when the money component having done it for so long that's just not the, the same variable it is for a young coach it's like, why would you come back and and start over or like re-identify yourself if you're Jay Wright at another school? I don't think there's any world that makes sense.
2: No, I agree. So we've had that one kind of shot down. Uh, and then I know that Mick Cronin, for totally rational reasons, uh, has been thrown around. And I'm sure that there are a lot of Louisville people who were ginormous uh, supporters. I mean, we know Clint.
1: RIP. Like we know his uh, support. I oh, was uh, wrong, Clint. I gotta give you a shout out again, man. Every time. But were we? Yes. In, what? Yes. You know where they finished, Kim Palm, last year? Three. Where are they now? One hundred and six. Okay. That doesn't that doesn't make you right. No, we <laughs> are wrong. Enough. <laughs> we are wrong. <laughs> no, I I. Um, we said it, man. I thought that'd be a horrible marriage, UCLA and Mick Cronin, and it has worked. And I get it. He's got a young team this year. Um, 106 is brutal. I don't think anybody predicted that. I know they weren't in the top 25 to start the season, but they were in the, like, honorable mention. They sure. got some votes. Um, but, you know, they're 321st in Division One experience. Going young is very tough to do. Now, he's built up enough you know he's made enough deposits where he doesn't have to worry about any trouble or anything you know people are going to say we we trust in mick um but it is kind of wild they're six and nine and they haven't looked good in a long time and it's ugly right now ucla do you think he survives
2: this year because it's going really (laughs) poorly like i mean the buyout's huge i know but is there a chance they could fire him this year though ucla I, i don't see a world where that happens i don't either but it, 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 I think the thing with Cronin, the way things are going this year, it's not so much just the the losses, which are bad, as much as it seems like he's
1: feeling it. You know, like he's one of those old school coaches, and the the demeanor. Yes, it certainly doesn't the feel like that translates to the new world of college basketball near as well as somebody. You know, it, there aren't that many coaches that are older that I feel like okay, they could transition into any era. You know, I, I would say Jay Wright's one, Jim Laranaga Jim is who I was thinking of, right? He's certainly one. Um, Mick Cronin is not one where I'm like, yeah, that guy. Are you trying to say that Mick Cronin strikes you as inflexible? A little bit. Well, that's. Which I
2: was wrong. Hot Mark. Take We looped. were. Mike wrong. Cronin. Yes. I know.
1: The Mike Cronin experience has worked out. It has. There's no way they'd fire that man.
2: But it's not going well this year. Are you, in terms of like being successful here, one, he's super expensive. Let's not – like, it's it's going to cost Louisville a, – a, it would cost them a lot of
1: money if they were going to do that. Unless he does so bad this year that there is a mutual parting of ways reducing that buyout to a manageable nothing. But,
2: but look, do, do we want – is that what – you can't with a straight face be Josh Hurd and, like, walk out him and be like, we just, let's take the guy that just got fired at UCLA.
1: It's also your options. Who do I want? I want, you know, I want Rick Pitino to come back. I'll take Jay Wright as number two. You know, there, there are, there are those guys. Billy Donovan comes in here, great, but who is an available candidate if we get to that point? Like, you gotta, you gotta play with the cards you're dealt. And if he's one of the options, he's should be. And I, I would think if it does get to that point, would be uh, very much considered.
2: No concerns about temperament and that, like the very thing you're talking about,
1: uh, the,
2: the way it plays in the modern and all that sort of thing. Because, like the next guy and you look i don't you, i'm not saying this on your behalf so if you need to draw you know a line here you i'm not going to be offended by will. it at yeah. all but i'm not talking about it like there's going to be a next year i have i just me either okay i yeah. think the plan has got to be to like hit the ground running with the next person it's it's
1: you're not talking about it being next year with KP. Yeah. Okay, well I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm not saying what you're saying. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted well, to Well that, that
2: that's clear. that's fine. But like if if I'm right. Yeah. Just for the sake of this conversation. Yeah. The next guy's got a lot of work to do with a lot of audiences. No doubt. And I don't know that Mick is the guy that wants to do a lot of work with a lot of audiences.
1: But at the same time, don't you feel like you need someone with the thickest of thick skin to come in? That here? is not him. He seems like a guy who can handle the pressure and the media, and he may be crass at times, but he does seem like he can he can handle it. Like, even though Tom Izzo is, is – I don't think he's frustrated. handling it right now. Okay, he's not right now, but he's been at Michigan State for a long – No, no, I'm talking about Cronin. I mean, I'm, I'm sure tempers have flared up when you're not playing well and, you you know, the expectations are really high. He's getting more pointed questions and whatnot. But I just got to imagine – This is not enough for you to beck, he like, can't do it. No, it's I got not, not for me. That's um, fair. I, I think he does have thick skin. Um I think he would get back to an area of the country where he would probably rather be. Yeah. Um I think that I think there'd be a lot of positives there.
2: You imagine somebody be like, I gotta get
1: out of LA. Yeah, it's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be
2: where it's cold and miserable and be I'll like, ah, oh, this is more way. like it.
1: <laughs> I'd be like, "Ah, sunny UCLA. Nah, this isn't I don't want this commute to work and
2: give me that Ohio River.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm, like, looking outside of this I know. month-long weather we've had of just nothing but dreary 40-degree rain. And, like, that actually – what am I talking about? What
2: if about? he's, like, sitting at
1: home, he's like, I don't have to put on sunscreen anymore every day? We are thinking. I mean, I, somebody threw out I – mean, it could have been me. Like, Dusty May would be a guy who – a high-profile job. Like, you know, he could be up next. I'm thinking, that guy lives in Boca. Yeah. You know, I think about Jim Laranagan, where he's recruited. He's going to get Nigel Pack from Manhattan, Kansas, and Norchad O'Meara from Jonesboro, Arkansas. He's doing the opposite. He's bringing those guys to the warm weather, not leaving the warm weather. to. That's probably an easy pitch. There are a lot of positives for Louisville basketball, weather notwithstanding.
2: Let's get uh, BJ in here. BJ, welcome into the drive on a Thunderbolt. What's up, buddy?
0: Hey, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Listen, let's go after the best, man. Let's go after the best one and only candidate bring Rick Patino
1: back. I hang up and listen
2: yeah well look I, I'm in yeah I, so I think on this side there would be that would be received well uh, I think it's the, Rick Patino is the biggest hindrance to that he's just he's pretty explicit although isn't it funny with Rick? you believe that a hundred percent do you that's the point he said it. I, I mean, I can't. I can't tell you, Luke, how many times when he says something categorically that I get texts from four or five of my friends like, "Oh, he's definitely doing the opposite."
1: <laughs> you I'm hear like, him say anything, and you yeah. to to the media, and you think, "All right, what? He's not doing what he just said. So what okay, else?" Okay, so is, we know it's not that. Yeah, <laughs> what <laughs> other options are we gonna float out here? Like, it, it is gr- the proverbial. Greece is my last stop. Uh, <laughs> Iona, this is where I'm gonna retire. You know, like it. It's Rick. It's Rick. You know what yeah. you're getting there. Yeah, you get the translate. Right. Yeah. Out of hyperbole.
2: I cross it right off the list, whatever he says first. It's like, uh, remember in in math we had to, like, reduce your fractions?
1: Like, that's what you have to do with, with the things that he says. And it's amazing how many people that have been around college basketball for a long time, like, fully get bought in. Like, if he tells it to you, it must be true. Right. And he's told, like, a bunch of people, like, St. John's is it for me. And I have to believe, like, if I'm not just joking around here, that St. John's is his last stop. Right. But at the same time, like, history shows. When he says that, th- that's not the case. Yeah,
2: he is the ultimate coach that, if they, that k- like cannot, he cannot quell any rumors because the more
1: like demonstrative he is, the less you believe what he, <laughs>
2: the and, less you believe him. But also, and he like, likes it that way.
1: Yeah. And what else is he supposed to say? Yeah, like, that's right. You know, get your fan base fired up and tell them you're going to be there forever if you're Iona. I don't know how many people really believe that, but I thought if, if he wins, if he makes the tournament, if he lets a little time pass, that he's absolutely going to take another job somewhere. I never had a doubt of that.
2: I own it. Oh, you're right. Right. Totally. Yes. Totally. Yes. Steve, welcome into the Drive on Thunderbolt. What's up, bud?
0: Hey, as always, man. Appreciate you guys letting me in. Uh, right. I've got two major fears as, as a diehard Louisville fan right now. One is KP year three. That's a nightmare. And the second is Nick Cronin as our
2: head <laughs> basketball coach.
0: And I'm not turning up my nose to anybody. I want a full search. I want everybody interviewed. I want the tires kicked on everybody. But, like, it'd be trading in one person that's going through cognitive issues for another. Like, Cronin is melting down big time. And it's not just this year. He had horrible comments last year that can be used against him. His acumen as a coach is not questioned to me. It's his attitude and his mental state, and this is a pressure cooker. It's dissolved this human being that we're talking about now in KP. Like it's, this is not for the faint of heart. Not because we're vicious or we're out to get you, but it's it's an all encompassing, and that's not a a Cronin job. I'm sure he's got a million supporters in town, and that's cool. Everybody's entitled their opinion, but you know, I just those two scenarios for me here: three KP nightmare, nightmare scenario. And and Cronin coming to, coming into this pressure cooker the way it is now just uh, it's it's Chris Mack it, it, he's Mack they're the same person they don't like each other because they're the same person <laughs> I mean <laughs> you know uh, like when they they're, they're the Spider Man team and yes. that's why they they've never got along <laughs> so I mean there's evidence there that 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 it's not a thing and then just what one if more he's thing playing in this
1: chess one. real quick what if what, what if I, he's now? playing chess what if he's playing chess here and he's just kind of Firing up the, the UCLA community, and and he's trying to uh, get that buyout just a little bit reduced or a mutual parting of ways at the end of the season. I mean, you mentioned the basketball side. When he got to UCLA, they finished the season 19 wins, 78th in Ken Palm, and he wins what well, looks like maybe eight out of his last nine. I mean, they were playing their best basketball at the end. The following year, they finished 13th in Ken Palm. The following year, 11th. Last year, third. You know he's he's put together quite the resume, and if he is playing chess and getting a little testy right now, we get him for a, a discount.
0: No, I just I just don't want to be there, Cincinnati, as far as like with Satterfield with us. I just don't want to be hmm. there, their thing. And that's not disrespect, Lucas. Just that's just, I don't want to be there. And that's right, one have more a, point. A different
1: opinion. I'm all good with that.
0: And then one more point, and, I, and, and Bob is a, is a blessing to have, that he's available, that he that he's in town and does our games. So I, I want to preface it with that, but I listened to him in Greenberg this afternoon, and it's one of those things like I, we've normalized how abysmal KP is. And if you're a broadcaster, I know it's, it's rough, and it's hard, and you can't just be fire this man, put him in the stocks, drag him through the streets. It, but this is abysmal. Like KP, what he's what he's done is—it's not egregious. It's not heartfelt. Like he like he came here to sabotage, but this is not normal. This is not even with injuries, with a million excuses. This this is not in any way acceptable under any form. And these poor guys have to just keep normalizing it with every game, with every show, with every broadcast, and it's. It's a rough place to be in as a broadcaster, I can sympathize with it, but it's way worse as a fan, man, because it's hard to listen to this. Uh you know, and I I wish he was gone already for everybody involved and I don't even know what that looks like. We've been through those shows a million times, but and it's just it's gotta be hard for the broadcasters to try to maintain something. But I just wish they didn't try to normalize how egregious the job is to be done and how just abysmal it is.
1: So I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the time. Appreciate the call, dude. First thing, it is very tough at times because you build relationships with the coaches. Not only is KP in a, in a circle, you know, the, the Coach Jones, rest in peace, Denny Crum, rest in peace. That era of basketball, those guys, like, invited me into the circle. And KP's a part of that sort so many guys that are, are former players. It's just, it is so incredibly difficult to kind of dance around certain things because as people, I love these guys. I felt so honored to come to Louisville. I still feel honored. And, and it's like a dream to me that I, I got to play in the same, you know, wearing the same jersey as those guys. I have a deep level of respect for the guys who put the jersey on before me. And it, that's not just Louisville. Like, the coaches that go out there and and put everything into this game and it still doesn't go their way. Like, you know, for example, Coach Greenberg, he was a coach at Virginia Tech where, like, my love of college basketball, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia, and watching his teams, that was part of my, like, really enjoying – basketball and falling in love with it and and having him recruit guys on my team and um, going to games with my dad like he was a huge part of that had a lot of success there and eventually you know he gets fired and people look at him and think he's not a good coach or he doesn't know what he's talking about at times but he is a good coach and it is tough at times in, in my position and bob's position and coach greenberg's position to you know call it like you see it because fans they just don't get the whole story all the time is all I would say and and a lot of times you can have a deep hatred for a coach and feel like you know on on x or twitter or whatever that you can say whatever you want to these guys but they want to win and they're trying and maybe their ideas aren't aren't working out great but that doesn't mean they're bad people and so I just try and call it like I see it I'm not going to ever you know when somebody's not winning games or, or not saying the right things, I'm gonna try and give them the benefit of the doubt because it's hard to win college basketball games. And I, I just, the way he said that about, I know it's hard on, on broadcasters, it really is. I'm not going as far as Corey Alexander, but I'm gonna call it like I see it and try and still show love. Cause number one, like, I'd still like to be able to go to practice. I'd still like to be wanted, you know, around U L, And I feel again, very honored to be in that circle um I you wear to, multiple hats yeah That not yeah. everyone wears yeah yeah you know you you I, I've just tried to be Lafonso Ellis told me this right at the beginning because he was calling games we were doing a show together early on and I was like man you're you're a huge Notre Dame guy right and he's like oh I love it with all my heart and I was like well how do you how do you separate yourselves and he's like you got to call it like you see it so I've tried to do that and easier said than done at times but that's what I'm going to keep trying to do it's it is tough at times
2: yeah I don't envy uh, the announcers because i i no one wants to be gaslit, you know, and, and no one wants to be lectured. but I feel this way about like r- ripping the referees. i I don't want my announcers to just be killing them. You know, I want them to acknowledge it when something happens. but like after a while, like, all right, just call the game. yeah, uh, I don't want them advocating really for anything. Just tell me what's happening. but when they st- what I would really love is for that to just not be something that even crosses their minds, and that's not really their job that's Kenny's job, yeah fair. at this point. Give them something else to talk about by being good
1: that's it like I think even from my perspective, I would love something different to talk about. I'm trying to find positives I don't mind talking about the negatives or things they need to improve on. I mean how many times last year did you hear me talk about non steel turnover percentage you're not going to win games if that's in the you know three hundreds, and so you know, you, you want to reward them for effort and improvement and try and be positive, but I'm going to keep calling it like I see it. And that's how I got to do it. It's going to play out that way.
2: All right, let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back. We'll talk with Jeff Walls on the other side here. On the drive on I've vote.
1: Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store.
2: Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville, Mark it's Luke Hancock, we are happy to be joined by one Jeff Walls, who makes time for us on the regular, and we appreciate that. Jeff, how is everything? Are you uh, safe and batting down wherever you are here, man? It's getting kind of crazy out there.
0: Well, I am actually up here um, outside in my shorts and a T-shirt enjoying the 30-degree 30 de- 30 weather in Minneapolis.
1: I'm sorry, what, you're in shorts outside? Did you lose a bed?
0: Hey, I'm kidding. It's freezing up here. (laughs) It's absolutely insane. The wind's blowing. It's got a wind chill of about 15. So i got a ball game to go to tonight. Uh, Catch a 6 a.m. flight back tomorrow. Uh, Should be back by about 12.15. We'll practice at 1 and then be wheels up, I think, by about 5.15 up to Pittsburgh.
2: All right, Jeff, we've talked uh, about you know, You wanting to see this team crank up uh, defensively, uh, and you liked a lot of what you saw in that Duke game. Now with uh, the ability, a little bit longer reflection, maybe get a chance to go back and look at it again. Was there anything from that game that maybe on second watch or, or after that that you're like, man, I didn't necessarily appreciate that at first, but I was really encouraged by this or that out of that game as well? I, I, I thought our
0: detail – to following a scout report was really good. It was probably the one of the best we've had this entire season. We're starting to make some progress um, in that area. Ever since our UConn game, uh, I've, I've seen some growth, and that's what we'll, we'll continue to have to have. As you get further along in, in conference play, you know you can't let the other team scores beat you. You've got to make sure you're forcing players that normally don't like to score the basketball. Uh, or aren't as good at it? Do it, um, and I think we're starting to really buy into that. So hopefully, we'll continue to see growth on that Thursday night as we go up to Pit to uh, to Pittsburgh.
2: I don't, Jeff. When it comes to like putting a team together uh it, it, you've talked about this with us a couple of times about you, know, you got new players in uh, but they're experienced and so it's not like you're just teaching them everything you know they, they've played college basketball but like early on in the year where do, where do where, where would we notice hey these are players that haven't played well together and then like where have you maybe seen some progress in that as they've gotten a little bit more familiar with each other
0: well you know it's it They've done a great job. They're really starting to, to, to get a feel for who likes the ball where, you know, where do I want to get it? Do I like coming off a curl? Do I like fade? Do I like it on the left side of the floor, the right side of the floor? Things like that. But I think really where I'm start we're starting to see the growth is just the urgency uh of every single play. You know, we went through Kiki's four years at JMU, and she was Conference Player of the Year. She's 2,000 point score, close to 1,000 rebounds. But in her four years at JMU, they played five top 25 teams in four years. For Sid at UMass, she played three top 25 teams in a four year stretch. Now we've already played five before we're two games into the ACC and we're about to face about six to, to seven more of those games. So I think what they're they're seeing and realizing is just the urgency you have to play with every single possession and every single game because the talent you're playing against, they're, they're very talented players. They're good enough without a doubt to play in this league and have great success. But it's just un- understanding every night you have to bring your best.
1: Coach, I was going to ask, you mentioned uh, about – locking in on that scouting report, like what are those variables that are kind of most important? Is it more about knowing when a play is coming? You know, they're setting the ball up with a, this high pick and roll, and so you know that X, Y, and Z is coming next? Or is it more on, like you mentioned, this player likes to get to their left hand, and this person is a you know, a shooter that you have to run off the three-point line? And, and maybe it's all of it, but what, where do you see the team going?
0: It's really – Luke, all of it for us, and that, and that's really what's made this pro- program as, as good as we've been the last the, the, the last uh, seventeen years.
1: Is Your scout,
0: we're like another class. I mean, we're another class that they're taking because when they come to practice, especially, you know, uh, today I wasn't there, but my staff ran it and really went through personnel. So today was a a personnel day. Two days before a game, we're going through. Luke likes to drive right. When he drives right, 80% of the time it's pull-up jump shots. When he drives left, 80%, it's going to the rim. And with the computer programs that are out there these days, I mean, it's real simple to put into the computer how many times does Luke drive right, and when he does, what's the percentage of his pull-up jump shots and layups? And, you know, then we expect our kids to, <laughs> to know it. And then tomorrow will be when we go through their action. We'll, you know, if we get a play call for a, a couple set plays, we'll definitely go over those. But it's more so is this a team that likes pin down action? Do they like to run flare? Do they screen the post? And then we're just going to make sure we drill the action that you're going to see a lot in their different sets that they run. But, you know, for us to be our best, we have to know going into a game that even if they change up a play, even if they run something we haven't seen, most coaches will run the same action within a play.
2: We're talking with Jeff Walls here on the drive on 93 Ville. Jeff, uh, I love the stories uh, just for my own enjoyment here. of Like uh, Jamarcus Russell, they would give him these DVDs to watch and then they figured out he wasn't watching them, so they gave him blank ones. And he's like, yeah, I'm watching them. So they knew he wasn't watching them. Like, Have you ever had anybody try to fake that they, they did their work for the game plan, that sort of thing? Not somebody on the team now, but just over your career.
0: No, we, You know what? We, we've been very fortunate. I did not hear that. I, I think that's great. I think that's <laughs> hilarious to, to, to give him blank ones. Uh, now, my argument is, was he able to go out and still stop the person he was guarding? You know, and if he was, then uh, just keep sending them blank ones. Uh, (laughs) You know, but overall, no, because we have kids that buy into this. We really do. And, you know, they, they have fun. There's nothing better than when you go through a scat report and you know it. And they sub someone in the game and it's like, hey, she loves to go left. Or if you make her go right, she'll turn it over. And you jump on that left hand and she tries to go right and it becomes a turnover. You know, there's nothing better than it. I mean, we sat in our Duke game and we're like, guys, we got to pressure the basketball and be in the gaps, and they'll hand you the basketball. And 27 times, that's. I mean, we we tried to press two possessions in the Duke game, and they just ran that thing straight down our throat. And I told him, I'm like, guys, we got to get back first, and then we'll guard him in the half court. And we did, and we followed a scout report, and. You know when when you're pressuring that ball and you know they're really athletic and they're probably going to go by me I gotta have confidence that my teammates in that gap and we were and they just handed it to us and that's following a scat report that's knowing challenge him to shoot at three off rhythm and see what happens and we did all that and just had great success
2: and Jeff you you talk about being able to like get in synergy or whatever and look it up and here are all, all the statistics on what they do. Teams can do that on you, too. I mean, how often are you self-scouting? And in and, and, you know, some sort of crunch time situation here, how aware are you of your own kind of tendencies? Oh, we better not do that. They know we're going to do that, that sort of thing.
0: Oh, we, we self-scout all, all the time, uh, especially in individual players. I mean, that's what we talk to our kids about. It's like, hey, it's your job to change the opponent's scouting report. You know, if you're just a three point shooter, we got to work on shot fake, putting it on the ground, pull up jumper. Uh, so then they can't just continually say the same thing about you. So it's something that we talk to our players about as the year goes on. Like, can you see here, here's what they're trying to stop you at. Now we've got to change it. Um, and then as a coach, we really, I, I take a lot of pride in just trying, trying to do things that most people don't expect you to do. We're not going to always double a ball screen. We're going to jam it sometimes. We'll switch things up uh, because I think it's that important because you don't want to be predictable. Um, and if you can keep your opponent off balance, then you've got a chance to, to be able to score. And then there's a lot of things. Like, you know, i, I was fortunate. I work for a man who's, who's in the Hall, Hall of Fame right now and Paul Sandiford that he used to always tell me, we used to run things. He'd run things at Western Kentucky in the first quarter, first half, just to see how the opponent's going to guard it. Could care less if we scored. Of course, you want to score, but he's like, hey, I'm not worried about that. I see they switch the back screen. I see they're switching the guard the post. So then at the end of the game, when he wanted to run something to score, we knew how they were going to guard that action, and then we run a counter to it.
1: I love that. That that actually reminds me of a story uh, of Coach Jones and and him uh, coaching when Denny Crum was sick about running a play that was uh, his, I guess, a bread and butter play they knew they could score on. And he ran it a few times in a row. And and, uh, Coach Crum called him and said, cut that out. We want to save that one for uh, for a rainy day. But I I did hear uh, after your 1,000th win, congratulations. a quote that said, "You personally don't think you've come close to playing as good as you can." How good can this team be, especially in a league where the ACC is really strong, and a lot of games right now are coming down to last-second plays? NC State, Virginia Tech, Florida State, a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, we have our, our 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 hands full. If we can if we can get ourselves continuing to improve at the the uh, defensive end of the floor, which we have. And then offensively, uh, we just have not shot the three very well. We've got some very capable three-point shooters. Now we've just got to improve that area because I, I'm, I think we'll see zone on Thursday night at Pittsburgh. I know we'll see it next th- th- Thursday at, at Clemson. And you, you, you just can't get caught on one pass and a shot. You've got to get the ball reversed, try and get a paint touch, a kick out, um, so if we can get our three point shooting up to 34 35% 36 overall uh, cuz we're at 29 right now then i think you'll really start to see us improve at the offensive end because we're shooting at 45% i think as a team for it for, from the field and that's at 29% from the three point line so we shoot it extremely well inside the the, the, inside the line now, we've got to just get a little bit more consistent uh, outside that three-point line.
1: Yeah, fans that hear or they see a, a stat like maybe they're twenty-nine percent. They oh, that team can't shoot. But how much of it is it sh- shooting versus creating those good shots and running an offense where it's not just one pass and shot? It's facilitating an offense that gets you great looks.
0: Well. It's a little bit of both for us right now. Now, we, we do get really good looks. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's one of the things that, that I've actually praised them about is we're getting good rhythm three point shots. Now we just got to stay in the shot and stop fading away and, you know, keeping your hand up, falling back. It's like, guys, there's no style points. Just stay with yeah. it and watch the ball go in. I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm, I'm, I'm going to start challenging them to, you know, If we're going to continue to shoot tw- 29%, at least shoot and go chase it. I mean, if it's not going to go in, you might as well get your own offensive board. Um,
1: I, would, I would think that's a better problem, right? If it's not being able to get good shots versus you know, maybe leaning a little bit or not focusing on the actual jump shot, and, and you know that your team can shoot it, that's probably a little bit better than the opposite.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it, it is. That's why I'm just waiting for that one game or, or back-to-back yeah. games where we see the ball go in uh and then uh and then you'll see a little bit of con- uh of confidence from from these kids and that's that's all we need cuz i'm telling you we do shoot it well in practice now i just need to see it carry over to a game
2: all right jeff when you have a team that shoots it well in practice and it doesn't carry over to a game typically uh well i guess one have you had teams like that in the past and then two if it changes what happens? Like, why? Why is it not carrying over from practice to a games? And and when it does, what? What's different?
0: Well, it's. It, I mean, if I had the answer for that, I I wouldn't be coaching. Uh, I'd be going <laughs> going around and selling that for for a lot of money. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's just it. Uh, you know, I laugh, and Luke can tell you it's. You know, as a player, if, if you've missed three or four shots and then you, you get to the rim and you make a layup, and it's like, oh, I feel better. I'm like, you just made a layup. But it's mental. You know, and it's, they see it going in practice. We just need a couple to go into the game, and I think that's going to just take the pressure off, like, okay, it does go into the game. And then and then you start going, because they know the ones that shoot it well in practice have the green lighting games. That's one thing I'll, uh, I'll never change on is it. You know, it, it's eventually going to go in. We just need need to keep attacking the offensive glass just in case it it, it doesn't. And then we've done an unbelievable job of, of, of being aggressive and getting to the free throw line. So, you know, that kind of helped offset our lack of three-point shooting.
1: Coach, I, I love getting to talk to you every week during season season and just kind of talk through – your ideas about how you're building your team and, and recruiting even throughout the season, and I just have you spent any more time on high school girls versus transfer portal girls, and has this season kind of shaped how you feel about the portal and, and just putting your team together because there are so many new faces on this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm I'm out here watching a high high school player a uh, 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 play tonight. You know, we're always going to recruit high school players. That's never going to change. I've always said, you know, really what's changed is you might not go four deep. And if I'm looking for a point guard in the past, I, I might have my top four. And now I might only have three of them because I'm just going after these top three. And if I don't get one of them, then I just go to the portal. Uh, so, you know, it's not as the, the urgency of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm graduating my point guard. I don't have one next year. I've got to get a high school kid. It's not there because you know there's going to be somebody to be found in the portal that might be able to j- just give you a one-year Band-Aid. So we use the portal really to just fill in areas that we didn't get in a high school recruiting class. Um We've just been very fortunate and, uh, you know, my staff does an unbelievable unbelie- job that we have not only gotten really good players out of the portal, but we've gotten great people. Um, it's, it, it's amazing the, the, the class that we have right now of all of our transfers, just how well they blended into the program, how well they get along with all their teammates. And then the impact that they're making, you know, during the games in the, in the community, it, it's first class. So, you know, I'm I'm forever grateful for that, too, because it's not just winning basketball games, but it's everything else that these kids do.
2: You know, Jeff, when we talk about, like, the, 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 the arc of a season, and so, you know, starting with a team, certain characteristics, and, and where you want to take them and get them prime and ready by the end of the season, what are you doing right now? This is basically, like, sort of square in the middle is this where you start paring down rotations or figuring out, hey, we're not going to fix that problem. we got to just sort of play around it. Like, what, Where? What's the life cycle? Where are we with the team here in early January typically?
0: Well, because of our depth, it's, I mean, we only have 11 that can play, uh, you know, <laughs> that are dressed. So it's not like I'm paring down a, a, a rotation a whole bunch, um, which is a good thing because everybody's been getting opportunities to play. Um, so that 's not going to change now, as we go further it 's going to be interesting to see, okay, is Olivia going to need to play thirty two minutes a game where right now, I think our leading minutes it might be at twenty six or twenty seven a game that 's really it um you know i 'll take that back going into our Duke game, Olivia was playing the most at twenty five minutes a game. Uh, so we've been able to keep everybody fresh, which is great, which is why I think we shoot the ball as well as we do overall. You know, so that, so that's an encouraging thing. And then basketball wise, you know, we took a few days off because it was, it it was our bye week on Sunday. What was our bye? Um, which was earlier than we probably had it in the past because now we're eight straight weeks of, Thursday su- Thursday Sunday Thursday Sunday. So that so that puts a little wear and tear on your body. So we've got to be really smart in how we're practicing, the amount of time we're uh, we're practicing and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, coach talking about this time of year again, just the break. I know that that 20-hour rule is not in there so you can practice as much as you want, but with a veteran team, a lot of new pieces What's your day-to-day like during the break where you don't have those minute restrictions as, as far as how long you can be on the court? Hour restrictions, I guess, not minute restrictions. We
0: we really don't change much, Luke. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll come in. The, the nice thing about it is, like, the kids, they all like to, to come in and get shots up. So now it's easier because they're not doing it around class or study hall or anything like that. At least they weren't during the break. Now the class started on, on Monday. We're back at, at, you know, back into academics. But before that, for about three weeks, you know, we we get in the gym and shoot from ten to eleven, eleven fifteen, do some individual work, little group session, and then we'll practice from twelve from twelve to two. That's it. And then I I, I want these kids to enjoy college as well, and I know how long the year is, so I don't want to be burnt out come middle of february knowing we've still got a month and a half left to 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 make a deep run hopefully in the ncaa
1: tournament well not just for that reason but i've told you this before i would play for you coach
0: (laughs) now it's worked for us so far so you know if that can continues to work then that's great um and i've got players that actually They get in the gym on their own, too, which speaks volumes for who they are. So it's not like I have to tell them every day to get in and get free throws up, get extra ball handling in. They're doing those things on their own because of the pride they have in their own game.
2: Jeff Walls, thank you so much uh, for making time for us on the road. Everybody safe travels to and fro, and uh, we'll see you out there again soon, man. Thank you. Good luck, Coach. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. All right. Jeff Walls, good stuff uh, from him. As always, he sounded uh, upbeat. I I, I think the, the Duke game, holding them to 44 points and being yeah. as disruptive as they
1: were, I think he feels like they maybe hit a new gear there. Yeah, it's interesting to hear him talk about where the ceiling is or kind of we haven't played our best basketball yet, kind of where this team can go, and him talking about shooting. You know, I thought he would have really emphasized the defensive end and that he did see a catalyst there in that Duke game. I mean, you hold a team to four points in a quarter, you're doing pretty good stuff on the defensive end. But uh, just kind of how the the makeup of the team has developed and what this time. I, I said it last week uh, when I was on the ACC network, just this time of year is so incredibly important for teams. Some teams need rest. They got to get healthy. Some team need two-a-days. And they got to really lock in on getting better. Um, it, it's just kind of how you use it. And he does have a veteran team, although there are a lot of new pieces. To hear that schedule and and also understanding when you're when you get the time off and when your bye week is versus now you have eight straight weeks of of Thursday to Sunday, like you said. Um, you know it, he understands the schedule. He's been doing this a long time. And and the whole shooting thing, all I could think about was uh, was loving basketball. That's my era. That's my generation. But Monica Wright just holding that hand up and going to stand in the corner for a while after she, uh, I, I guess, hot dogs it from the coach at USC. Sure. That's all I could think about. Uh,
2: interesting to hear him talk about um, game planning and the degree to which you can sort of dig into that sort of data so quickly. Yeah. Uh, but then having to be aware of teams being able to do that to you too. You know, and and the whole idea of taking the game plan and taking what you do in practice to two games, uh, not being automatic at all. Uh, I mean, did you experience some of that where it's like, w- w- obvious, you know, Rick Pitino's telling us you're the best player of practice, and then you start off rough shooting from three, and people are like, what, you were lying to us. Like,
1: what was that like? Well, hearing him say that you have to continue to trust in the ones that shoot at the best in practice, that to me, that, that's a great coach. Because you got to rely on the work that you've put in. And and your confidence comes from your preparation. You prepare and practice. And if you have players that are shooting it great and just haven't quite put it all together on the court, I totally am all in with what he said about you got to ride with those players that shoot it well each and every day in practice. Um, You know, that's what you see. Coaches see so much more than we do as fans or even in our perspective. So I loved what he said there. Um, You know, Part of it's getting in rhythm. Part of it's just seeing it go in a little bit. Uh, but he's he's does such a good job of managing like overworking his players and building confidence in them and making it fun. Um, you know, I, I didn't wait, really, wait, what? Yeah, I wasn't really in that mindset uh or didn't have that coach. I thought you were messing with
2: me when you said that.
1: You're like making it fun. I was like, aha. His but, but
2: you were serious. No, no, Jeff. Jeff <laughs> okay, yeah, right. I,
1: I like that that mentality, I like that. Um when you're you know the sixteenth ranked team in the country you're having that level of success. If you know, it shouldn't be all fun and games if you're not winning. You know, winning is fun to me. And and all the blood, sweat, and tears you put out, the fun part is getting on the, the court, when it really matters, and you're playing against somebody else, and fans are in the stands, and you're, you know, shots matter. The score matters.
2: You think McCrone makes it fun?
1: um He doesn't seem like a guy who's making it much fun. Sign him up. There's I'm no, in. there's no, <laughs> that's your guy. Back the other way, yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense. i know now. right there on the line. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's no days where he brings out like the wiffle Ball or anything like that. We're going to goof off a little bit at the beginning. I, uh, no?
1: I did play for a coach that did that. You know, I've told you the stories about Sure. Even before the NCAA tournament, you know, the lights are brightest and everybody feels the pressure. But when you have a, a game of wiffle ball before the biggest game of your life, it was just to put everything in perspective. And we had a bunch of fun with it. Um, and, you know, it, it just totally relaxed us in that moment. You know, when I played at Louisville, I, we definitely felt it felt different. It felt like, you know, we got a job to do. We're the best team in the country. We got to go out and prove it. Um, So it's, it's kind of, you got to read your team and you got to read your players and you know how you have built it. And he, his teams play loose and free. And um, to some degree, they rely on making shots. Uh, And I think part of it is, you know, is your defense going to be there every single night? And then if you're in rhythm, you can make a run late in the season.
2: You know, you, you said the phrase, I think you said this just now, uh, coaches see so much more than we do. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's funny because like I have sit down with – Even though
1: he wasn't at practice, he was out recruiting, which is also really interesting that he has that much faith in his staff and he's got a veteran staff and they're awesome. Uh, but I think that's really impactful, even just that statement of, yeah, I left, things are going to be fine, even though i got a game in a couple of days, it's, no worries.
2: Recruiting matters too. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and I think he's done that with us a number of times, but uh, I sit down with Lieberman sometimes and just here's what I think like I'm watching this I'm like w- what happened there you know and what I think is wrong is nowhere close to what's wrong you know and I start realizing like I don't know anything <laughs> you know listening to him I'm like he. this guy goes right across his face like what's that about and he's like 15 things went wrong before that happened oh, yeah. and I didn't
1: see any of those 15 things at all <laughs> it's partly why I asked a question about um from a perspective of just making shots. A lot of people will see like, all right, this team's not shooting it well. They don't have any good shooters. But in reality, like one thing you look at is assist numbers. Are they getting good shots? Are they getting shots where they can step into them in good positions on the court and knock down shots that they practice day in and day out? And so, you know, coaches, they they see not the first level or not just the result, but all the things that lead up to that. And I can't remember when this happened, but I was I was kind of dissecting um, in our national championship game, the the Montres Herald dunk and steel and everything and as I'm doing it I'm like well that was supposed to be a switch that doesn't happen with Wayne and I and then you see Peyton here this screen looks like it could be a switch but because he doesn't actually set it it's a go screen and I stay with mine and then when my guy goes to down screen this really outside of the last 10 seconds of the shot clock we would not switch this he would stay but since it's late shot clock I switch and take the big and then we get a pick and roll where it's guard to guard and we can just switch that top screen which creates the steal and and leads to the run out but it's it's all planning and and that's why like
2: you sounded like a nascar pit
1: crew guy
2: with just rattling all of that off like without even slowing down
1: (laughs) just just see the the next play oh it was like an avalanche i was watching it (laughs) (laughs) and you can plan and prepare and have your whole detailed scatter report but you also have to have you know players that just figure it out like tomlin talks about the great players rise above above the x's and o's yeah a lot of times like it doesn't play out exactly how you thought. It doesn't play out exactly how they drew it up or told you it was going to happen in your scout. You've got to, you know, adapt and adjust and and just figure it out on the fly, and that's, you know, what great teams do, competitors do. Yeah, it
2: seems like that's the balance of, of coaching is empowering and teaching kind of at the same time.
1: Yeah, where do you want to be super rigid with your fundamentals or your principles, and then where do you let your team kind of freelance a little bit and a lot of great coaches will say we're going to be super rigid on the defensive end and then give flexibility in the offensive end but you know it's the balance it's the back and forth all
2: right we'll take a quick break here and come back back and we'll talk about this men's basketball team we haven't talked about them a whole lot uh here in this upcoming game uh, against miami and really the rest of the season so we'll talk about that take your calls your text throughout here on the drive on i've the